Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. We are so excited that you're here. It's Amanda and I am here to introduce a part two of a series of interviews that we did with an incredible educator, Andrea Michelle. If you are catching this episode, but you're like, wait a second, I'm in the midst of a series. You are. This is actually part two of a two-part series. So if you missed part one, I'm going to go ahead and recommend you pause me and head back to part one, because here's what we're up to. We are doing a unit makeover with our friend Andrea on her unit that she's got, you know, kind of in a a good spot, but could be better spot. She's been teaching night and really kind of felt like this year things were okay. They were good. The kids learned, but she came to us and said, listen, how can we make some tweaks to improve the experience for everyone from the assessment to the experience of actually reading the memoir? What are some things that we can maybe do to step things up a bit? And so in part one, if you head back to the episode right before this one, we went through the unit makeover process with Andrea. And we've done this before in other episodes, which we will be linking for you in these show notes. And so the idea of a unit makeover is to take something that's doing fine, but give it a fresh set of lipstick, maybe a new pair of pants, and just really put on what could make it so much better. So if you want to hear about the process, go back to the episode right before this one. But here, in this episode, what we're about to do is unveil 
our thoughts, suggestions, and what we would do to change and improve this unit. So this episode is packed with ideas and brainstorming. Really, you're going to hear this very organic conversation between myself, Marie, and Andrea as we process through the things that she really thought needed work and adjustment. So we have all those suggestions ready for her. We're ready to tackle this unit makeover all the way down to lesson planning, backwards planning, you name it. We are ready to hop in tonight and really think about things like memory, things like potential essential questions related to memory and the trauma and looking at pieces of history that are really, really difficult, like the Holocaust and other types of genocide. This episode is going to give you some insight into how to do this process, either on your own, with a team, with your department. And I think it's going to leave you feeling energized to go take what we've done with this unit and go tackle your own units. And so without further ado, we want to lend your ear right on over to episode part two of the unit makeover with Andrea Michelle. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, welcome back to part two, as we told you in the intro of our unit makeover with Andrea Michelle. You know her as Educator Andrea on social platforms. Welcome back, Andrea. Hi, glad to be back. We are very excited to continue this conversation. Amanda has been furiously writing her notes as we've been chit-chatting between takes because listeners, we are doing part one and part two all in one fail swoop here. So we are fell swoop? Fail. What is it? Fell? Fell swoop. swoop. Yeah, I know I said it wrong. Thank you, English teachers, Mm -hmm. for helping me (laughs) out. Before we jump in, though, to Amanda's notebook of notes, Andrea, what are you thinking, feeling, where are you per the end of our first conversation? Um, I feel like I got a better idea of where we wanted to be headed about trying to give students voice and building their empathy. And now I've got like a color palette in mind, which is not something I ever had anticipated. (laughs) But it's like strangely settling, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It weirdly is like, I've, cause I, I've heard you guys talk about that before and I'm like, that doesn't sound like something I could do, but like through your prompting, I was able to get there. Although I still think I just described the cover of the book, but that's fine. Well, but even still, you think to yourself, a professional like graphic designer or illustrator created that. So if we're like describing the same thing, then maybe we're all going in the same direction. So that exactly. I've just reasoned our way through that. We're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. So. Um, okay. I think we are ready to just jump in. Amanda, take the reins. Chomping, chomping at the bit, you guys. So when we talk about unit makeover, Andrea, I know she's listened to a few of ours. We've talked about unit makeovers before with Gatsby. We did them with a short story unit. We did them with Just Mercy. So I believe this is our fourth, right, Marie? Our fourth unit makeover episode. Could be. Could be our fourth. Could be our seventh. You know where my mental state is. So who knows? 
So who knows? So first quick note to everyone, like we do this often. So if this is, you know, something that you are needing for yourself, there's more where this came from. So we will, of course, link all of that in the show notes. Um, But there's a process that Marie and I go through. And it's something that we also offer as one of our free downloads. It's an email series that will prompt you through this process, a series of 10 emails that will come to you and kind of help you do this as a DIY if you don't have a PLC. So we're going to sort of go on script, but kind of not because I have a hard time reining in all of my thoughts. Well, but that's the other thing too, though, about like the transparency of planning as a teacher. Like, yeah, sure. We've got a process. Our course curriculum rehab has a process. It's got modules that you lead one through five, but also you might go one, three, four, two, five, like, and that's, okay, as long as you're looking at big picture and zoning in and out and in and doing what's best for your students from your classroom. So it's okay to go off script, everybody. Okay. Well, yeah. then let's start then let's start with kind of like the essential question, because I, I know no one's surprised to hear me say that. Not, um, I, think, no. yeah. <laughs> I think that might kind of be the backbone that helps us go through a couple of different lanes. Cause here's the deal. And you heard about this in part one. And if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen to part one because we have some opposing forces going on in this mm-hmm. type of a unit. And I think that's partially what makes this a difficult unit, right? Night on the surface. It's a short memoir about the Holocaust. How hard can it be? How hard can it be to make a unit on a, such a, a short book that's very clearly one genre and very clearly set in one historical context? It's <laughs> it's deceivingly complicated. And so I think the essential question in this case and in so many others helps to settle your nerves, helps to settle the focus, helps to make helps you make decisions about summatives and other activities moving forward. So one of the things that I heard Andrea talking about in, in part one were the things that were working and that were not working, the things that we really wanted to keep and the things that were like, meh. And so one of the things that really settled with me was, Andrea, when you were talking about how deeply you wanted students to emerge from both the unit and like their day-to-day experience of the unit with empathy, perspective, conviction to speak out against evil, you're kind of like the call to use this as a place where uh, dialogue is so important. I think that eclipses for me, the memoir side of things. So this is where I'm going to get like pummeled. I already know it because you also said that what you love about it was kids writing memoir. So here's what I'm going to propose to you. I have two avenues. One avenue would say ditch the memoir and do it somewhere else. And what if we wrote an essential question that instead of looking at the memoir side, the genre of the book, focused on those themes and focused on the speaking and listening as more of the vehicle. So in that vein, I'm I'm also going to give you a memoir side too. So I'm not going to totally like abandon ship here. I think one question I've done iterations of with people before um, that's really cool is to ask an either or question and then have the summative be an argument essay. So argument, not necessarily analysis. So when I say argument, I'm thinking the kids are going to write an answer to the essential question using evidence from everything they've read in the unit, night, whatever other supplementals you have. If maybe it becomes a night plus choice unit, you can use, they can use a variety of texts and you're going to focus on argumentation. 
And I think the other thing before I reveal the question, the other thing that I like about this quite the runway. Yes. I'm like, (laughs) I am here for this. Hold on. I think the other reason I want, I want to sell it before I give you the question. I like it. The other reason I think this is so awesome is when we give kids the reins to argument in a topic like this, it lets them rally behind the good right? Like when they can argue for, right, these, the question I'm going to give you, I think you're going to be able to turn that lens, not away from the negative, but that heaviness might be lifted by the active energy put into arguing to make something of it. So, okay, runway over. Here's the question. And I can give you a couple other versions of it too. I like this question here, which is more dangerous, indifference or violence? Ooh. Ooh, I like, I like, ooh. Okay, so here are my thoughts on that, right? So the either or, they're both dangerous, right? Of course. So kids are, again, when we're thinking about how we can give kids agency, right? Like they, they can argue for both and be correct. There's not a right or wrong, but they can do better or worse. I think this would open up the doors for you to look at things like the bystander effect, looking at just like the conditions of spaces, right? Like spaces in their lives that are governed by indifference. Um, I feel like there's a lot of that in the teenage. I was just going to say in teenage life, Uh, there's, there's also forced indifference. Like I don't know how to care. So I'm not going to. Right. Yeah. Well, then you could talk about apathy. You can Mm -hmm. talk about all those other related academic vocabulary types of words and then looking at real violence. Right. I think that this is, something that we are experiencing now as we look at war, you know, we look at like the war in Ukraine, like, okay, so what do we do? Like, I feel badly that that's happening to you. I think it kind of inherently gets you at that conversation about empathy and kind of the limitations of it, like the necessity of it, of course, but also how it's kind of limiting. You mean, because during the Holocaust, there were people going to school and having an ordinary day in America as the Holocaust was going on. And um, in Germany. I mean, And in Germany. There's um, Ellie Wiesel's wonderful, now I'm kind of like looking at supplements. There's the perils perils of indifference is kind of where that word came to me, um, that speech. So that's one of my thoughts for you. I know, but I know what it does though, is it kind of sidesteps the memoir. And I, I just wonder if maybe memoir can operate also for you as a, just a different unit. And you can kind of lean into like, more of a lighthearted version of that. Like if kids are going to write their own. So anyway, I'm going to pause and let you kind of like think through the possibilities of an EQ like that or similar to that. No, I love that. I think that that's so good and exactly nails what we're trying to do with the unit. And we've done previous years where we didn't do night and we did something a little bit different, but I love the idea of the essential question kind of asking them if violence or indifference is, and you said dangerous. Yeah. Which, which is, is more, more dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. So I'm wondering if damaging. Sure. Might also work because I feel like with dangerous, they're going to think of like physical, like being attacked. Yeah. yeah. Whereas damaging, I think could encompass a little bit more. Sure. Problematic. Hmm. This is a great thing to bring back to your team yeah. too. Yeah. And, and even, and, and just kind of wrestle with because either way, you're going to have a chance to get into the nitty gritty of is indifference dangerous? Like what, right. how does that look differently than the danger of violence like or the damaging or, right? Or, 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 or you've got a lot of right. options. Yeah. Um, so Amanda, do you want to do your second one? 
Or can I throw a wrench? No, actually, you do your second one first. Okay. Uh, uh, the last one. I don't know if we're there for that. Yeah. Well, we can we can put wrenches wherever, but I would just say like the culminating thought would just be I think that this would lead you to a wonderful summative, which is something that you said you wanted to to work on. I think this would be a great setup for a Socratic seminar type of Mm -hmm. summative. Mm, I love that. If, If speaking and listening, I would lean into that. I think, and especially on this topic coaching students through how to talk about these hard things and then kind of giving them the scaffolding of either other genocides or other situations with indifference and violence. I think that would help them address the Holocaust that you'd be able to give them more language by kind of you're in this way, you're kind of narrowing the scope because if you leave memoir out, it gives you more time to lean into this stuff and these how to speak about this and how to look at it. But I think a a seminar would be an awesome summative for this unit. I love that idea too. That's great. Okay. Do you want to do wrench Marie? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Wrench it up. I do. Well, so, okay. Before I throw a wrench in, I it's speaking to what Amanda was just saying. If you were to take memoir and narrative and put it somewhere else, And like, let's say looking at your year long, right, which is what we Mm -hmm. look at in our in curriculum rehab in our course, because that's so that's like where my brain goes. You could sequence this where memoir directly follows this unit where it like brings the mood up and then it leans back on just like in night. Let's go to that passage again. Right. Like you could bring back as you're leading in, it it creates a more seamless bridge between your units because you can pull maybe some close reads that you didn't get a chance to look at as you're going into now focusing on the narrative strategies and voice and like that authentic voice piece. If that's going to be something that's strictly, well, I like that even better than what I'm about to say, but (laughs) here it comes. So this kind of goes, I mean, it's in the same vein as what Amanda was saying, but it still takes narrative and, and memoir and like looking at um, what we were talking about in part one, having two different summatives that address different mm-hmm. skill sets. So my essential question that I have used with units that teach night, I think could actually work really well here. And it's something along the lines of when facing injustice or when faced with adversity or eh, injustice really is the best one. What makes some use their voice while others remain silent? Like what, and that's that same question of indifference or bystander. It it, it still leads to all of those same things. Mm -hmm. It's just Mm -hmm. worded differently. It puts a focus somewhere else. It allows the same sort of thing like Amanda was talking about with conversations to be like, so what is making some of you raise your voices right now while you remain? Like, Like it brings that reflection piece to like, if I was in this situation, what would I say? Then that could lead you to a summative that has either a focus on synthesis or analysis, like straight up lit analysis where you do an FRQ or the one pager that you do, but with a little bit more focus and then a narrative or other creative like poetry or some sort of a creative element. So if it's like a two-parter, right? Or you could do a synthesis piece that's a Socratic or a timed writing or a processed piece or whatever, plus something creative and narrative, depending on how you want that to go. Yeah. That's kind of my broad stroke overview. But like, as I say this, I actually think a narrative memoir unit, even small, that goes right after following something like this would be really useful and productive for your students. Yeah. Well, and especially if we're focusing on the question of like, which one is more powerful to, or which one is more damaging or dangerous, Mm -hmm. violence or 
violence or silence. I like the. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like an internal. I like rhyme. the rhymey rhyme. Right. <laughs> I like it. No, it's, it's um, awesome. And um, kind of moving from that into like whatever it is that they have to say in their memoir, right? Like because they've kind of established like, oh, okay, like maybe speaking out even if it costs me something is worth what it costs and then giving them the opportunity then to do that to I speak think out on really something powerful yeah yeah exactly yeah well yeah and it could just be that you extend this unit into something extra that wraps in narrative strategy yeah after the fact right like after you've gotten through so it's just a longer piece or I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, we usually do the writing portion alongside the reading portion, but there's nothing to say because right now it's like a four week unit, which night is a short book. We could have done it a lot quicker, mm-hmm. um, but it could be one of those things too, where we do night and the writing portion kind of changes after we finish reading the book in the Socratic seminar, but the writing portion kind of continues into the next unit where they are then going to be doing maybe memoir book clubs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Where, where it takes like your dialectical journals and that mm-hmm. brings that into like, look at your reflection on chapters one, two, and three, cause it's nine chapters, right? right? Or, you know, yeah. you could like break it up somehow to have them look at that and then pose some different sorts of like questions that then they are taking their reflections from that initial read of night and bringing it into a different context or just kind of like furthering that reaction or something like that. Yeah. I think that would be really powerful, especially because a lot of our memoirs deal with a lot of those kinds of things, you know, um, the, Mm -hmm. cause we do memoir book clubs. And so one of the ones we do is like a long way gone. Mm -hmm. Um, another one is distance between us. And so there's definitely a lot of the same themes of like the conflict between speaking out and speaking your mind and, you know, trying to fight against evil and also just your personal safety and welfare and stuff. So sure. Well, and then you can also start to bring that into different, like hearing those examples of your book clubs, you can start asking questions about, with like different relationships, like there's yeah. the very interpersonal small scale, like when it's you versus a sibling and you and a parent, like, do you speak out? What do you consider in those moments? Yeah. How do you form your words, et cetera? Like that, that could lead to a really good narrative unit or, or yeah. narrative um, piece. Yeah. So we talked in, in the unit makeover process, we, we vision board, we talk about essential questions, we talk about assessments, we've done that already. And then the next piece would be once you decided, and we, and I think you've decided we want to kind of go this argumentation route, the synthesis route of either an essay or a Socratic seminar, mm-hmm. then we would need to kind of fill in, uh, not fill in. That's not what I mean. They are not an afterthought. I don't mean that. I mean, like, support. Yeah, no, she means right? build, the, build the structure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, building around night with supplementals. Marie, you've taught it a lot. Andrew, you've taught it already. Are there supplementals that are right on the top of your list that are perfect for dangerous, damaging silence or violence? You said it in, I don't know if it was this one or part one, because I've lost track of our conversation, but you were talking about like Ellie Wiesel's The Perils of Indifference. That speech is phenomenal. There are quite a few, just, I do like using speeches when it's something that is, I mean, to go back to memoir, to go back to authentic voice. I do like using speeches and getting that first person perspective. It kind of depends on where you want to go go but there's also like if we're talking about 
voices being marginalized and therefore the need for amplifying voices. We can talk to censorship. We can, you know, so there's some really good articles. I like using commonlit.org for some of those nonfiction pieces that build the context and like what that will do in the long run. Um, like I have in front of me, I'm looking through my, through my night folders. I've got an article called censorship for the people or for controlling the people. That one's from common lit for those of you listening that want to find it. I just, just search that on common lit. That specific article is fantastic for giving students the tools and like the, the arsenal for, for talking in a Socratic seminar. It gives them the vocabulary to lean on and it gives them something to shape their thoughts about night, to shape their thoughts about the Rwandan genocide. If you bring in different like historical events or just to talk about <laughs> life in general and like information and that sort of a thing. Um, Andrea, what are you, what are your thoughts? So we used the Oprah interview where mm-hmm. Ellie Giselle walked around Auschwitz with her, um, which would be great for memory. If we'd went with that essential question, the memory piece, that would have been mm-hmm. great. I'm not sure that it fits as well when we're focusing more on like the whole piece of indifference versus violence. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what we did because we were trying to lighten it up is like a lot of our supplementals that were looking at the skills of narrative building were not associated with the same essential question. Sure. So, and which was one of the parts that I, I wasn't a huge fan of. I felt like could have been a little bit stronger is we want to make sure it's all kind of working together. So I am wide open for suggestions for supplementals. So getting out of the nonfiction realm, which is, I mean, phenomenal. Bringing in nonfiction is great, except that I have, I myself have been trapped in the, I all of a sudden become a history teacher. Mm -hmm. The poetry that's in night lends Mm -hmm. itself really nicely to poetry. So you could mm-hmm. put in, you you could pull in poetry that's resistance poetry that is standing up against oppression that is standing up to resist uh, that is resisting well no oppression that's the only word I was looking for and, and so that could be a good avenue as well when it comes to like this is what it looks like when someone uses their voice and so let's yeah. let's look at a little bit of that yeah my like my that. kind of content brain too is trying to spread spread us outside of the Holocaust a little bit. You could definitely look at like Kitty Genovese and like the original kind of thoughts around the bystander effect. I think that is such a interesting psychological concept um, and kind of tracing that back to things like public lynchings. I think about like witch hunts. Mm-hmm. I think about lynching during, you know, civil war area and, and slavery and all that that was going on and, and right. Jim Crow laws. Um, I think that that's the collective experience of like this, indifference in being a bystander and just kind of telling ourselves the story that there's nothing I can do um, would really hit home for students. And there are different, I think, ways and appropriate levels depending on your age group and what they've already been exposed to or not. But I think that would be an interesting avenue to take on. There's a section in Isabel Wilkerson's book and it talks about families in Germany who could smell and like the ash was just like coming down on their farms and they were just kind of like moving the ash away. And, you know, I think it's also important to bring things home to the U S and I think that's one of the dangers I've seen with night is, you know, if, if, and I I don't think this is what's happening in your case, I've just heard a lot of teachers talk about night. And sometimes I think it becomes this like Germany only problem and we have no problems. Right. That was then, that was the then times. And this is the now times. And, and speaking to that, I, I can't remember what we were reading. There was something 
and lynching was brought up and my class did not know what lynching was. And I was like, how is that? You guys are sophomores. How is that possible? But these kids during the U.S. history year, it was COVID year. So oh, in eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it would have been eighth grade for them when they would have learned a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. And they weren't logged on. So they missed an entire year to the point where they don't even know what lynching is, which blows my mind that that has and and I think for for my school in particular they don't get U.S. history like I think they do it like chronologically so it'll be like this spring is when we get into like this era so it's like early early U.S. history right now that they've basically learned but I was just like how have you guys you don't and like it's one of those things that like I have to guard my face because I don't want to be like are you are you stupid? <laughs> like, how do you not know? Yeah. But like, because we they have, because they have not been taught, like, you don't know what you don't know. And it's not their fault that they don't know. But it was one of those things that I was just kind of horrified by, because like you said, they're all very aware of the Holocaust and the atrocities that happened there. And I'm like, you don't know? Like, yeah, where, <laughs> how is this? How is this? How has this gap not been filled? Right, um, exactly. Speaki- speaking of filling gaps, and this is another place that we can find ourselves in the weeds of trying to fill in too much, right? Yeah. Like trying to, oh, and also this, and also this, and you have to get, yeah. it. I always, with units like this especially that are so compacted with so much history and just so much, going back to what do they actually need to know to have a productive conversation is a, is a like constant revisit, constant yeah. revisit, not even just when I'm planning, but even when it's like time to prep for the Socratic seminar the next day, like reviewing for myself, what do they need to know? What do they already know? What do I need to fill in? One of my favorite tools, and I've talked about it on the podcast many times, is Crash Course. The Crash mm-hmm. Course videos, they've got some psychology yeah. video, not even just their history videos, but like they've got some psychology and sociology videos that can be really good for talking about bystander effect, for talking about apathy, for talking about psychologically what happens when we hear about tragedy of others and yeah. connecting with that or distancing ourselves. It, it yeah. could be a good way to go. And it also will help. This leads us back to in the first episode, we were talking about how students do not know what to do with their discomfort and they mm-hmm. lean on jokes. I like to mitigate that by saying, hey, if you get uncomfortable, it's going to feel natural to try to joke, to like lighten it up. Instead, mm-hmm. we're going to create a clinical practice And we're going to like take a step to the side of ourselves and say, what is it about our psychology that's making this uncomfortable? Therefore, what made people not say anything, right? Like, like, so so taking more of a a clinical psychological approach is also fascinating for students. Like, that's why psych is always such a really big, you know, like AP psych is huge at my school. And it's because they want to understand as teenagers how it works. And some of them want to know why it works, how it works. And so this gives them a place to channel some of that awkward energy away from like just drawing, drawing Nazi symbols. Right. No, I love that idea. I love the idea of bringing in the metacognition for them. And, and sometimes like, I I feel like I don't give them enough credit in thinking about like, cause I love that, right? Like I love to know why I'm reacting to certain things in certain ways. And sometimes I forget that they probably would also love to know why they make the awkward jokes. And it does kind of diffuse some of that, you know, like of like, because then if you make the awkward joke, everyone is looking at you like, we know what you just did. You know? Yeah. 
Well, and it's less of like you monster and it's more right. of like, oh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is what's happening. Yeah. You right. can still be part of this community even though you said something extremely bizarre for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I think my last recommendation in terms of supplementals, again, like also take Marie's advice, which is to, you don't need to, to widen things, but if you're going to go a little bit wider, I think another category of supplementals that might be useful could be looking at things like propaganda, uh, like the ways mm-hmm. in which these yeah. dangerous messages are propagated, are spread. Um, I mean, the Rwandan genocide is a great example um, of looking, if you wanted to add, not add, but like expand the conversation about indifference and violence and communication of ideals and beliefs and how genocide kind of, you know, begins and even looking at some of the earlier, like the oratory that Hitler had that was part of this, you know, I think it really does come back, come back around again to education and rhetoric and, uh, you know, people deciding what kinds of messages they're going to allow themselves to believe and what kind of information you're going to take in and then take action on. There's a lot of other external elements too, but I think that's just another lane. If you were needing that would be kind of interesting to go that route as well. I love that. Oh, I just remembered gateways. I was going to talk about a gateway. And I think this might be a good place for us to start to wrap up a little bit because we just threw a lot at you. (laughs) You have to go do it. (laughs) Right. Just do it. I've got a year to prepare. I'm not going to be teaching it until next fall. So it's okay. Perfect. Um, And this actually, you know what, this does tie in almost everything we've been talking about. So get ready, ladies. So Have you seen, what is that show? What would you, no, it's not called, what would you do? What, what is it called? Where they like have like hidden a hidden number one. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And the host is a man with really dark hair. And now I can't yes. remember what it's called. Yes. I had it in my head. It was on ABC. Yeah. It's like, and they like put these. It's cord- called, what would you do? What is it called? Do? What would you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. For a Klondike bar. No, it's called, what would you do? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Yes. That's um, Andrew, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I've never heard of the show. Okay. So they would have like, I don't even know if I've watched an episode, but I know I've seen clips. They would have people like unassuming out in public, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, in a restaurant and a couple starts fighting really loudly and saying inappropriate things. And then like the people next to them, they watch to see what they do. Like it's a whole social experiment. Okay. It could be interesting to watch that or some clips, or something like that, or even like, oh my God, I'm thinking of like Ashton Kutcher punking people, right? Like, and to, pre- to pose those questions, what would you do? Like, that could be a great foray in like your initial moment. I've forgotten all of my edgy babble of how to talk about the beginning of a lesson plan, but you guys are with me. <laughs> yep. Uh, your, you know, anticipatory set could be there. <laughs> And then students could actually participate in activity where they've got a set of questions that are all these different scenarios and it's, what would you do? And they could do like a think, pair, share. They could do speed dating. What would you do? Something like that. And they could get either increasingly more gray, like morally gray, the questions, or they could just be this or that types of questions, you know, like... But that kind of uh, starting them with dilemmas where they have to pick one and they have to maybe not explain for everybody, but reason in their head why that choice was made 
could be a really good way to get into building empathy for the people they're going to talk about and read about into voice and choice into what was the what was the silence and violence right like yeah yeah. It's, it's that, but because you don't want to jump straight into, you see somebody getting beat up in an alley. What do you do? Right. But you want, you want to go from like, you see a kid drop their candy and someone kick it out of their way. What do you do? Like it can be really right. light and then progressively get in. So I, while you were talking, I also had this idea um, of something I could do that would be really fun is maybe bring in like an administrator or another teacher or something mm-hmm. like that to do something with me where they like, maybe I am like, Hey guys, admin's just going to step in for a second. And, and she like, and and, like I'll leave and then Uh maybe have admin talk about like wanting to fire me or maybe like messing with my food or doing something like that. And then I come back in the room, you know, where they are like sitting there like, what is happening and see if they actually do anything to defend me or to, you know, something like that, where it, because my first thought was like, it'd be great if somebody could come in and like attack me. I'm like, let's not traumatize. Right. <laughs> let's not but- traumatize anybody. But like maybe something as simple as like s- another teacher comes in and like messes with my food and then I come in and take a bite of it or something they like could, that. They could like stick their finger in your coffee. Yes, and then exactly. Or like pretend to like spit in it or like something like that and right. have like a second cut. Like something that yes. like it, it, it or it, but it would be so much better if it's an administrator because that's a person in authority. You you need that power play for sure. Yes. Oh, so, that would be so fun. Teaching podcast, we encourage all forms of hoax uh, events with students. As yeah, gateway. we like we, deception. We, we lean into we deception. Mm-hmm. This wholeheartedly. I've done this before too. Yes, 100%. Oh, we love it. I love it. it. Yep. It's awesome. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm excited. With no, yes. Oh my God. It's, and then, and then years down the line, you're like, hey, don't tell the next class. Okay. No. And that's the problem. And it becomes a rite of passage. Yes. Yeah. Like the first period would be great. And then the rest of the classes, it would be more, although I did do my, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Lord of the Flies intro last year that was phenomenal. And all the kids like kept their mouths shut about what it was. Um, and it was perfect. Yeah. Because they like, they, they they don't want to ruin it for, and they want, they want to see everybody else get screwed with too. So I was just going to say, they want to see everybody else live in misery for 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) My biggest fear honestly would be if somebody filmed it and it looked bad and they put it online or something like that. But it just has to be something innocuous enough that it wouldn't even draw attention. Like Like messing with my food or something like that. Yeah. If a kid's brazen enough to pull out a camera and film an administrator in your classroom, that's a whole nother, <laughs> right. that's a whole nother conversation. And then you I just start honestly, a dystopia unit. Right. My thought went to like all of the videos I've seen circulating about like a teacher having a full on breakdown and stuff. Right. Yeah. Meltdowns like, how in quickly, class. Yeah. Anything, anything crazy happens in class, the phones like come out and like all of a sudden things are being filmed. So that was like. What if the administrator films themselves and then like fake posts it to like your TikTok or something? Oh my gosh. That (laughs) because the kids know you have a following. Oh yeah. And they so they guard their online presence so like they value it. That could be that could be a really low stakes innocuous thing. Yeah. If you you also could rotate, you could have three different administrators come in. Like then it would just be kind of like different scenarios. Or have a kid from like an earlier class come in or a senior, you know, (laughs) 
for one of the class periods or something like that. Oh, I got to, I got to think about that. Okay. That's so, we're going to have to have you back so we can hear how it goes. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yes. Either way, we talk about a lot that's going to bring it back for everybody else. Whatever Andrea decides, the golden nugget is the debrief, right? So like whatever comes, gateways can be as ludicrous as you want them to be. And it doesn't matter. Like they can also be as inane and just kind of boring. But what matters is getting to a place where you can have a really good, somewhat structured debrief that launches you into that essential question the next day. So that's kind of like the the logistical part of, you know, what Andrea was talking about with the gateway and Marie was bringing up that example. That's where we place this kind of in that whole conversation is it's got to launch us right into that EQ. So if you're trying to think about a gateway for yourself, start with that essential question. That's how you're going to bridge the, you know, seemingly ordinary every day as a bridge right into your unit. That's going to like sink them, like sink them right there at the get go. Absolutely. Yeah. And something that they'll remember because I had that really great gateway last year with the Lord of the Flies unit. And I have a kid who I now teach as a 10th grader and he was asking me to do that activity again. And I was like, we can't do it. I know. I was like, we can't. He's like, that was so cool. I'm like, yes. Like, yeah, it was. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. So cute. All right. I feel like this might be our spot friends. Yeah. (sighs) To tie things up as we've just exploded with ideas and then been like, hey, that's awesome. I know. <laughs> yes. I know. There's so much. Andrea, thank you. You have been such a great sport and like so open and just transparent and vulnerable. And thank you for sharing your classroom with us and with our listeners, because it's just such a delight, first of all, to have you. And then also to just be able to like peek into your classroom in a different way than I think you get to do often on like your own social channels, because that short right. form content can be really hard to get into the deep stuff. So like, thank yeah. you for spending so much time with us and for yeah. opening up to our audience. Like, I really appreciate it. I know Amanda does. And I think our listeners do too. Yeah, this was awesome. I so appreciate the help with this unit because it was it was rough for me. So I'm so excited now to actually do it next year and really Yay. Use all of the things we talked about. I'm super Yay. pumped. Maybe, maybe not all. We took a long time there. <laughs> <laughs> but you have choices now. Yes. That's right. Lots of options to bring to my PLC. And yeah. committed committed to the podcast waves. So you That's know. right. Exactly. Yeah. So I can just yeah. send them yeah. their episodes. Exactly. Like, here, this is what we're going to do. That's yeah. right. So we'll um, see you in fall 2023. Exactly. That's right. And exactly. Andrea, before we go, I know we did this at the end of our first episode, but just to make sure that anybody that jumped into the second part, where can they connect with you? Where can they follow along on your journey and get all of the amazing, amazing goodness that comes out of your classroom? Because I enjoy following you and watching every day. Ruth. Um, so on TikTok, it's educator Andrea. And on Instagram, it's educator underscore Andrea. And then on my website, which is educatorandrea.com. Perfect. Could not be simpler. Well, we wish you luck on all of your endeavors in your classroom, in your own professional learning and growth. We're so impressed with your, my gosh, you're going to be writing a dissertation soon. That's just like so goals. I'm so impressed with you. I know. I'm excited (laughs) to hear about it though. Like I want to see what comes out because I feel like it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Let's hope so. Cause you know, I'm (laughs) I'm going to feel real stupid if I've shared it with everyone and then it comes out and everyone's like, you spelled dissertation wrong. You're like, hey, no, I didn't. Humbling. No, I didn't. I have a PhD. No way. No, I, I made a new word. <laughs> right. It's new. 
All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you again, Andrea, for joining us. And I, this was a good unit makeover. I feel refreshed. Yeah. I Me feel too. like, yeah, it's it's awesome. a good one. Uh, friends, make sure that you check out our show notes for the many things that we have talked about and how to get in touch with Andrea and all that and more. And make sure that you check out Andrea's website so you can see her really, really fun and like just such good teacher merch because it will uh, brighten up your weekday. Let me tell you what. And we just want to say we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 